Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. As you can see, clean shaven. The neck beard, while it's gone for now, don't worry. It'll be back within the next couple weeks. I know my hair cycle. Don't you worry at all. And we're live. I mean, this is the second time for this show, First Mover, that we're streaming to all the good people out there. And of course, you can find this show starting later tonight in the Roto Wonderworld podcast feed. I'm your host as always, Josh Largie, the Director of Analytics at Roto Wonderworld and PlayerProfiler.com. And you can keep up with me on Twitter, at JLarkyTweets. J-L-A-R-K-Y Tweets. Now, before we dive into purely the DFS talk, I wanted to update everyone on my athletic training regimen. As some of you know, I take fitness very seriously. I believe working out is the perfect balance to sitting behind a large computer screen and coding in a dark room, which I also enjoy. Anyway, shortly before recording this podcast, I had to purchase a new pair of running shoes. This is just for the stream. Look at those things. These things are old. They're six years old. Or you know what? Should I say they're one week old? Because I have been buying running shoe after running shoe since the NFL season started. Because I have not stopped victory lapping DeAndre Swift. My legs are sore. My shoes are worn out. But (laughs) it is a beautiful sight to see DeAndre Swift sitting as the PPR running back three on the season behind only Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. Two players that were going in the first round of fantasy drafts. While Swift usually fell to the fourth Sometimes even, oh, we had to rescue him, didn't we? Even the fifth round of fantasy drafts. Now, on Twitter, I angered some people last week when I warned everyone about Nick Chubb heading into week three. I told the people, you can look at my Twitter account, you got to trade him away and redraft. After he was getting 13 carries a game through two weeks with three targets and three touchdowns to his name. I warned you, but not everyone took this advice. I live and die by the running back targets because the average running back target is worth two and a half times more fantasy points than the average running back carry in PPR scoring. You want to play half PPR? That's fine. The average running back target is still worth 1.9x that of a running back carry. Even in standard leagues, a running back target is more valuable in terms of the expected fantasy points than a running back carry. Why do we care so much again about the carry workload of these running backs in fantasy football? I know they're a running back and they're going to be running the ball, but we're playing fantasy football. 
fantasy football, not real football. And we need to be taking note of how fantasy points are actually scored. And unfortunately for Nicholas Chubb, he just, I mean, people were telling me he was guaranteed to find it. And it turns out Chubb did not find the end zone in week three, no touchdown. And even though he had the boost in carries, he had a whopping 22 carries in week three. He didn't get any targets that week, yesterday, and uh, he didn't find the end zone. So he finished with 8.4 fantasy points. And Swift's floor is indeed higher than Nick Chubb, as Swift has at least 11.8 fantasy points in all three games. And Swift's ceiling is also higher than Nick Chubb, as Chubb had 23.1 fantasy points in week one when he scored two touchdowns on his 17 touches. I mean, little baby clap, 23 fantasy points for Chubb in that week one game, his highest of the season. Had to score two touchdowns to do it, but bravo, sir. Swift has topped Nick Chubb's high watermark of 23.1 fantasy points in two of his three games on the season already, despite only two touchdowns on the season and only one in two of those games. He hasn't had the two-touchdown game like Chubb. Doesn't matter. He's outscored Chubb's high watermark in two of three games this year. Swift, if he's putting up 23 and 24 fantasy points in a game with only one touchdown this season, just imagine what the ceiling potential is if he scores two touchdowns. Or as the season goes on, they increase his workload and pull back a little bit on the inferior talent in Jamal Williams. A range of outcome that does not really exist for Swift is, as the season goes along, Jamal Williams outplays him and they just keep feeding Jamal more and more work. That is not going to happen. If anything, there would be a shift in Swift's direction where he gets more work as the season goes on. Really, the ceiling is just sky high for DeAndre Swift. And remember, Chubb went early round two of drafts, while Swift went in the fourth round. Swift's ADP never made any sense and was based on Lions bad, coach speak, Jamal Williams. And it's a real shame those anti-Swift people didn't do their own player projections like I did. And before I get to that, I think it's important to acknowledge there is one fair criticism of the analytics community. I'll, I'll agree. When I miss, it's often because I rely more on historical precedent than the film community. If something has never happened before, I'm inclined to think it isn't likely to happen yet, if not ever. However, DeAndre Swift is actually a case where I, me, Josh Larkey, the hardened, cold-hearted analytics guy, it's where I bended history. And the non-analytics folks were the ones banging on history's door. I'll say it again, I like this voice. Lions, bad. Jamal Williams, coaches, pet. Timeshare on a bad offense. Without realizing that I had done full team and player projections for over 300 players. I had analyzed likely pace of play. I had analyzed every single team's position group. And the Detroit Lions happened to have a historically good running back paired with a historically bad wide receiver room paired with a quarterback who was ran out of town because Sean McVay didn't like how naturally conservative Jared Goff was with his throws. It all added up to an unprecedented situation, but one where I was so supremely confident that DeAndre Swift would be targeted heavily and score, to put it politely, a shitload of fantasy points. 
Through three weeks, Swift has more fantasy points than Nick Chubb was taken two to three rounds later than him in fantasy drafts and is currently out-targeting him 23-3 to on this season. Chase, projected usage, factoring in targets, and weighting them properly based on how many more fantasy points they're worth. And you too can continue to find gems like DeAndre Swift, players totally mispriced based on ADP. Heck, I mean, I was even taking Swift in the mid-second round back in April in some best ball drafts because I'd done some projections, I knew his ceiling, and then that was kind of before the public decided his ADP was best off in the fourth or fifth round. So after taking him in the, the second and third round in a few early drafts, I took him in dozens and dozens and dozens of drafts in the fourth and fifth round, and I'm a better person because of it. If you're going to draft a running back, an incredibly fragile position with so few players able to outscore the wide receivers drafted in a similar range to them, you might as well shoot for ceiling and chase the pass catching backs that get goal line and red zone work like Swift does. I've recorded a podcast midsummer and discussed the running back dead zone and DeAndre Swift was that dead zone player. He was the dead zone player I was most confident would buck that trend. And now before we get into today's episode, if you are not already, you need to get yourself on to the Underdog Fantasy app. I have been playing Pick'em after Pick'em. And DeAndre Swift will certainly surface in a few days on Underdog's Pick'em section. And I just keep pounding the over. Lines just disrespect the Lions. Wow, that's that's kind of a tongue twister. The betting lines disrespect the Lions team. Make sure to keep capitalizing on DeAndre Swift, his role, and his upside week after week this season. And don't you forget when you sign up for Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD, promo code UNDERWORLD to get some money back with your first deposit. And now this is First Mover. It's a DFS podcast. So my takeaway for you, play running backs like DeAndre Swift in DFS. If you're going to spend money on a running back, make sure he has that elite 30-plus point ceiling like Swift does, where he can score over 20 fantasy points with just one touchdown, and he's done it twice in week three, or in these first three weeks. Imagine what would happen if he scores two touchdowns in a game, or if he gets that slight usage increase as the season goes on. He is one of the select few running backs with a 30 and 35 point upside any given week. And... He's probably going to be less expensive than Nick Chubb week after week in DFS, even though Nick Chubb, even with a two-touchdown game in week one, still hasn't even hit the 24 fantasy points that Swift did in week one, and Swift's two highest fantasy point outcomes through three weeks are both higher than Chubb's high watermark this year. Chase the floor and the ceiling with DeAndre Swift. Now this show, it's about 30 minutes as always because... I know there's a sporting event of some type a little over an hour from now between the Cowboys and Eagles, and we're going to dive into some player salaries on DraftKings and FanDuel. We'll go over the entire Sunday main slate and games I'm targeting. I'll give you a full DFS lineup for week four I'm already considering, and I'll leave you with a week four hot take to close the show. Oh, and about yesterday, let me tell you the DFS lineup genius in week three started to cook and we plan to keep cook 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 cooking up some money 
I posted our best lineup on Twitter at JLarkyTweets. We were so close to the 200-point lineup on DraftKings. We had a couple that were well into the 200s last year. We plan on getting back there. This one was pretty close. It was a nice full game stack of Buccaneers-Rams. We had Brady, Evans, Godwin, Higby, Cooper, Cooper, Cup. We also had Eckler running back with Hardman in the final receiver spot. A little Chiefs-Chargers action. And then who was the other running back? Oh, of course, DeAndre Swift just hanging out there flying solo. And then on defense special teams, we had the Cardinals. They were playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville's offense has not been firing. What happened? Cardinals, turnovers, sacks. They had the works. 18 fantasy points. We got those flames on DraftKings. Over 195 points scored by that lineup. We got some cool DMs from people winning some nice money, but we're not satisfied. And if you want to get in on the action, go to playerprofiler.com. Check out the DFS Dominator tab at the top of the website. And you can sign up today. We've got the Cash Game Optimizer. The DFS Lineup Genius with full tournament lineups ready for you to just play them. We'll even let you import them with a little download functionality. So you don't even have to type anything in on your phone or on the computer. You can just give us 40 bucks and then in 30 seconds of time on the weekend, download our favorite lineups if you so choose. And true story, it's what my younger brother does. He knows absolutely nothing about football, DFS, etc. But he figured for 40 bucks, why not? So I showed him how DraftKings works. And every single week now, he just downloads the lineups, imports them into DraftKings. And then 30 seconds later, his lineup is submitted. It's that easy. We also have the Upside Finder, where we project 85th percentile outcomes for each player. We have the Value Finder, where we compare each player's projection to their salary on DraftKings and FanDuel. And one cool note about all of our DraftKings projections, you will notice, unlike many sites out there, our DraftKings projection is just, it's not just a standard PPR projection. That's not the scoring setting on DraftKings. DraftKings is PPR with a three-point bonus for 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, or 100 yards receiving. And we calculate the probability based on everyone's projection of them hitting each threshold and hence why our DraftKings projections will be slightly higher than our PPR projections. And then each weekend you'll also get our underdog pick'em recommendations. These are our recommendations. Go to underdog promo code underworld, open the app, go to pick'em and you'll see all the overs and unders and we'll take the five to 10 best lines and let you know whether to hit over or under on them. We sort through the dozens, if not hundreds of player options each week and let you know, based on our projections and range of outcomes, which ones you need to be playing. Playerprofiler.com. Check out that DFS Dominator package today. Give me one second. Let me take a sip. Wow, man, I get I get out of breath from these DeAndre Swift victory laps. Unofficial sponsor of the show, Starbucks. I don't always support big business, but when I do, uh, apparently it's Starbucks. All right, moving on to the quarterback position for week four on DraftKings. We have Patrick Mahomes at the top at $8,100 facing off against the Eagles. Just below him, we have Josh Allen coming off of his red-hot Week 3 game where he had five total touchdowns. He's 8,000 playing Houston. Some guys I really like, Lamar, 7,500 at Denver. And you might say, oh, but 
But Josh, have you have you seen the fantasy points? He's had 20 fantasy points in two of three weeks. And then he had the 35 plus fantasy points in week two, but two of three weeks, only 20 fantasy points. He should have had a huge week in week three. And I doubt that every single week, Hollywood Brown will drop multiple touchdown passes, which he did yesterday in that game against Detroit. Also, as you know, my favorite quarterback pretty much every week, Russell Wilson, only 7,100 at San Francisco. He is just being disrespected this week coming off of a down week, a game where both Metcalf and Lockett spent some time on the sideline due to injuries. It looks like they'll both be a full go for week four. Continue to target Russell Wilson. 7,100 against San Francisco, who just has a completely depleted secondary and is no longer the San Francisco 49ers' vaunted defense. The name value still exists. The actual on-field performance has been severely lacking through three weeks. Stafford, $7,000 facing Arizona. And Matthew has had 27 or more DraftKings points in two of three games this year. There's still not that much of a running game in LA. And Stafford just looks phenomenal. I know I'm going to be targeting him against an Arizona team that should be able to keep pace and their defense themselves is slightly suspect as well. And I think that some people are a little scared off maybe by the Cardinals because they've had some good defensive performances. But I mean, are we really that impressed that their defense had a good day against Jacksonville yesterday? I'm certainly not. Moving on, we've got Jalen Hurts. He's got a nice salary. And you know where I'm going with this one. 6,900 facing off against Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to have a bounce back week. He was embarrassed by the Chargers secondary yesterday. I do not expect that trend to continue against an inferior unit in Philadelphia. Hertz is going to have to throw the ball, drop back. That allows for more scrambles. I'm very excited about this game environment. And I like Jalen Hurts a lot. We've got Kirk Cousins. He's 6,400 facing Cleveland. And he's had 25 or more DraftKings points quietly, kind of, in all three games this year. There's been no elite performance yet, but you don't even necessarily need him to have that truly elite performance when he's only 6,400. Now, it was great. I took my victory lap on Swift. I'll probably continue to take it. Won't stop running. I'm training for the DeAndre Swift victory lap marathon, but I'm willing to take the L on Sam Darnold. Maybe, just maybe it was Adam Gase's fault. And he's looked pretty good through three games. It's still a little bit concerning what he's going to look like without Christian McCaffrey, who is out this week, hurt his hamstring last week. However, the the upside potential there is that there's fewer running back targets and that he may have lost his safety blanket. But what if Darnold actually isn't dreadful and that this just means more targets for DJ Moore, potentially Robbie Anderson or Terrace Marshall coming into play, but definitely a really good thing for Moore, who has been by far and away his favorite target and is looking like an absolute monster this season. Darnold 6,000, who has a few rushing touchdowns on the season, he's got some upside there, facing off at Dallas. And we know Dallas is a great shootout partner. And then bottom of the basket, we have Justin Fields, 5,200 once again this week, except now he's facing Detroit, not Cleveland. The Detroit Lions defense is not as good as Cleveland. And hopefully Fields' week three performance his first NFL start scares people off of him and that if he is healthy and giving it a go as the starter, you should once again fire him up in some DFS lineups at 5,200. On FanDuel, we have Mahomes at the top. He's 8,700. And then my favorite FanDuel quarterback this week, Russell Wilson, 7,700 at San Francisco. These 
He's the eighth highest priced quarterback on the slate. And there's not even that many big games on the slate for week four. I mean, wow, the Russ disrespect just because he had a down game in week three. Fire him up again as always. Super consolidated target share. Incredible talent at the quarterback position. Moving on to running back. DraftKings at the very top, we have Derrick Henry at 8,800. He's visiting New York, the Jets. We have Kamara 8,400 against the Giants. And I think he's been kind of interesting this year. He's in this really strange grinder plus role. I mean, last week, Kamara had 24 carries, had 3.7 yards per carry on them. He had four targets. Even with a touchdown, he still only had 20.8 fantasy points. And I don't quite know what to make of his role. It's a little bit strange. It's definitely not DFS friendly at this time. Don't recommend playing him yet. We'll have to see that role develop. But right now, it seems like you're just burning money if you're playing Kamara in the 8K range week after week. Guy I like, Aaron Jones. Actually, there's a lot of guys I like this week at running back. So we'll, we'll get to a few of them. Aaron Jones, 7,700 against Pittsburgh. We know his upside. We saw the four touchdown game in week two. It's a great offense. And I really think they could just totally embarrass the Steelers in this one. And then on the other side of that game, we have Najee Harris at 6,800 at Green Bay. And Najee Harris had 19 targets yesterday. The second most in history behind Kamara, who once had 20 targets in a game. Big Ben's arm is falling off. No Deontay, possibly even no Juju, who was banged up yesterday. Najee Harris could have another monster performance. Saquon Barkley, 6,700 at New Orleans. And his role continues to grow. 16 carries, 7 targets yesterday. That is an incredible role. We love to see it. Still under 7,000. Keep firing up Saquon. And I missed on Alexander Madison. I just swinging a whiff. He completely tore it up yesterday against the Seahawks. And I, I just didn't quite see that type of 99th percentile role incoming for him. Yes, I thought he'd get some heavy usage. However... Did I or anyone else foresee 26 carries and 8 targets? Good lord. Madison, 6,600 this week against Cleveland. We know what they're willing to give him workload-wise. So if Delvin Cook sits, you're allowed to fire him up again this week. And this week, it's analytics approved. I did not realize Madison had the 30-plus the touch kind of ceiling. I didn't think that was in his range of outcomes, and I was wrong. Jonathan Taylor is 6,300 at Miami. Good spot for him. Miami's defense has not been good against running backs this year. And Taylor still is without a touchdown on the season. Those touchdowns will come and continue to fire him up. 6,300, that's a great price for someone that does certifiably have the 30-plus point upside. We've seen it before. Moving on, I will never forget about him. DeAndre Swift, only 6,200 at Chicago. The disrespect tour for DeAndre Swift continues. And you know who one of, if not my most played running back is going to be in week four, DeAndre Swift. Antonio Gibson, 6,100 at Atlanta. They got to get this guy more targets. It might happen. He had one target, one reception last week, and he took it over 70 yards to the house. And I'm going to be playing a lot of them at 6,100. Atlanta's defense, just dreadful. And I still think that he has that, that big game within him. If he continues to stay on the field, we never really know if they're ever going to switch over from McKissick. I mean, McKissick could get banged up like a lot of running backs do. And if he misses a quarter or two at any point, Gibson could wind up with six, seven, eight targets and outscore every running back on the slate by 5, 10, 15 fantasy points. Shuba Hubbard, 5,900 at Dallas. He's very interesting. 
and is a nice kind of mid-tier to lower-priced starting running back. When Christian McCaffrey went out last week, 11 carries and 5 targets once McCaffrey went out. That's a very robust role. Further down, Sony Michelle, 5,200 playing Arizona. And you might say, oh, Josh, you have to take the L on Sony Michelle. He had 10.9 fantasy points yesterday, and he was in the lineup genius. You were touting him. What are you doing? It's Sony Michelle. And to that, I will say, yeah, it's Sony Michelle. And if Darrell Henderson's out again, he's the starting running back on the best team in the NFL. Process over results with DFS. We cannot just chase last week's touchdowns. Sony Michelle's role was elite yesterday against the Buccaneers. 20 carries and four targets for Sony Michelle. Go back to him. He's only 5,200 against the Cardinals, who are a far inferior run defense to the Buccaneers. And then the last running back that I'll mention, he's 4,900. Hold your nose, but throw him in a lineup or two. Cordero Patterson, 4,900 against Washington. He now has seven carries and seven targets in back-to-back games. I don't know what's going on. It's this age 30 resurgence. Or actually, I don't even think that's the right word for it because a resurgence implies he once was there and his NFL career has just been disappointing year after year. But here it is. I'm here for it. Mike Davis in that backfield who was the the 27 or 28-year-old surprise of last year. Now in that same Atlanta backfield, the the 30-year-old surprise this year is Cordero Patterson taking a lot of high-value touches away from Mike Davis. And Patterson's interesting, 4,900. FanDuel, Derrick Henry's at the top, 10,200 at the New York Jets. He's kind of hitting the the peak Christian McCaffrey prices at this point on FanDuel. I'm not particularly interested in Henry this week. Sure, I could get burned by it, but Henry has now seen over 60 carries these past two weeks. They're going to have to give him a little rest at some point, I think. And the, the hapless Jets are a great time to give the big dog a lighter workload. Very good price is Jonathan Taylor. He's only 6,600 at Miami. In half PPR scoring, they have given up the second most fantasy points to running backs on the season. They had a great defense last year. This year, it has not been nearly as stellar of a unit. Fire up Jonathan Taylor on FanDuel. And then we're going back to him, Sony Michelle. He's only 5,800 on FanDuel. And FanDuel is half PPR. There's no yardage bonuses for the 100 rushing yards or 100 receiving yards. And that favors playing guys in explosive offenses because touchdowns matter more on FanDuel. Who's in an elite offense? And if Henderson's out, will be the starting running back? Sony Michelle. He burned people last week. Perfect. We're chasing usage. The touchdowns will come. And Sony Michelle qualifies as an excellent FanDuel play, assuming Henderson and his rib cartilage sit another week. Moving on to receiver, Tyreek Hill at 8,000 at Philly is at the top. And then Devontae Adams, for some reason, is the second highest priced receiver. I think he should be the highest priced at this point. He's only 7,900. He's facing the Steelers. Adams had nearly 20 targets yesterday. He's had back-to-back monster fantasy point performances after his week one dud. He looks like he's here to stay and the wide receiver one likely for the rest of this season, assuming health. Cooper Cup, 30 fantasy points per game through these three weeks, 7,800 against the Cardinals. I don't know what's going on with this guy. He can't stop scoring touchdowns. Stafford will not stop looking his way and you can just keep firing him up until this Cooper Cooper Cup fairy tale ends. And... Decent chance that this fairy tale continues to have its story written, at least in week four against the Cardinals. Moving on down a decent amount with salary, DJ Moore is 6,600 at Dallas. 11 targets week two, 12 targets week three, 
elite athlete, explosive. McCaffrey's now out, so there's more targets up for grabs for the receivers. And I was wrong about DJ Moore. I faded DJ Moore for 2021 on the premise that Sam Darnold had always been bad. Why should I assume he's going to be good? I know Tannehill left Gase and got good, but if you look at the stats, Tannehill was a far superior player to Darnold early in his career than Darnold ever was. And then people were like, oh, but Bridgewater was such a slow-paced quarterback. It's Joe Brady. Joe Brady's going to be, this This offense is going to be bananas. It's Joe Brady. Except that Teddy Bridgewater was a slow-paced quarterback heading into this season. Joe Brady had the Carolina offense last year run slow-paced. And Sam Darnold in New York had always been a really slow-paced quarterback. Why was I supposed to assume Darnold would A, get good, and that B, he would become a fast-paced quarterback when we hadn't seen it from Joe Brady in the NFL, we hadn't seen it from Sam Darnold either in the NFL. But it looks like Darnold is the new Darnold. He has been reincarnated. Fire up DJ Moore. I was fading him because I just didn't know where the targets were going to come from, and I didn't think the targets were going to be very high quality. We knew McCaffrey was going to be commanding a decent amount of targets. Last year, Robbie Anderson out-targeted McCaffrey in the Joe Brady system. How was I supposed to just automatically assume that DJ Moore was going to severely out-target Robbie Anderson in 2021 like he has. And then they draft Terrace Marshall in the second round. Do I really thought, did, did I think, I mean, Darnold supporting McCaffrey the 101, DJ Moore in the fourth round, Robbie in the sixth or seventh round, Terrace Marshall in the 12th round? How was he supposed to support all these guys? And it looks like the answer is, he's not. Darnold does not look like he will be supporting Robbie Anderson or Terrace Marshall at all. And the targets just kind of consolidated to McCaffrey and DJ Moore. With McCaffrey out, I expect even more target consolidation around DJ Moore, 6,600 at Dallas, great price. Chase Claypool, 6,100 at Green Bay, 6,100 Green Bay, Deontay out. Juju banged up, might not play. Claypool had 15 targets in week three. We know he's an incredible athlete. We know his touchdown upside. You got to play some Claypool. Devonta Smith, 5,700 playing Kansas City. I think he's kind of a sneaky one where this is going to be a very high game total, likely shootout of some type. And Devonta Smith could just go nuclear in this one. He's demonstrated the route running. He's shown that he has some type of chemistry built with Jalen Hurts, despite missing some time in the offseason with his injury. I like Devonta Smith. And then same price, 5,700. I like Cortland Sutton facing Baltimore. Last week, Denver played the New York Jets. And you don't really need to throw much, remember? It's the New York Jets. You just kind of run the ball and win. They are so terrible on offense. But remember, Cortland Sutton, yeah, he disappointed in week three, but the week prior, when Denver actually had to pass a little bit, over 250 air yards for Cortland Sutton. That's what a tournament-winning wide receiver looks like. And then Ayuk, $5,000 against Seattle. Six targets, he scored last night. He's showing some signs of life. I think he's out of the doghouse. We may see the fantasy points bonanza. Could happen in week four. At $5,000, I'm taking that risk. That's also what a tournament-winning wide receiver looks like. Unfortunately, there's not many great, cheap wide receiver options this week. I I looked, I scanned. uh, I guess it's maybe Darnell Mooney. He's only 3,900 against Detroit. And I think with his role in that offense, and I think a lot of people just being angry at Justin Fields, a lot of people will be out on Mooney for week four. And I think he's worth the the risk at 3,900. FanDuel. We have Cooper Cup at the top at 8,600. I love Adams, 8,100 against the Steelers. I mean, if you want a touchdown scoring wide receiver for FanDuel, Devontae Adams, 8,100. 
And then another one, I think it's, it's time to go back to the well on Calvin Ridley. It was kind of off of him on in week three, but let's go back to it. Get some water from that well. He's 7,200 on FanDuel, and he's gotten 21 targets, 10 and 11. These past two weeks, he faces Washington in week four. Odell Beckham Jr., 6,600 at the Vikings. And the Browns are a lower volume pass attack, but it's a high scoring offense overall for Cleveland. And that's going to make someone like Odell Beckham a better FanDuel play than a DraftKings play because you chase touchdowns on FanDuel. And Odell, great offense, lower volume. That means that you don't necessarily want to play him as much on DraftKings, where on DraftKings, you really want as many targets and receptions as possible. You're hoping for the yardage bonus for 100 yards. Beckham, you're just hoping for touchdowns on FanDuel. And he's in a great spot this week. Then another one, a Bears guy again, Allen Robinson, he's still viable. He's down to 6,400 on FanDuel facing the terrible Detroit Lions secondary. Let's play Let's play some Bears again this week. Tight end. On DraftKings, we got Kelsey at the top, 8,100 at Philly. And then there's a big gap to number two, which is Kittle at 5,900. He showed some signs of life, just like Ayuk. Nine targets, a rush attempt. Yesterday, he had 17 fantasy points, even though he didn't score on DraftKings. And I think he's viable against Seattle. He's a great Russell Wilson run back, would be Kittle. But the tight end to play this week, if you're not spending up, Noah Fant, 4,300. Baltimore, who he's facing, has been an absolute sieve for tight end points through three games. They are ranked 32nd, which is last when defending the position. Hamler tore his ACL yesterday, which is incredibly unfortunate. And we know Tim Patrick isn't anything special. And we also know Denver will need to score some points in this one to keep pace with Baltimore. It all sets up for Noah Fant to smash at 4,300. And then your your budget tight end is Tyler Conklin, $3,500 facing Cleveland. He shocked the world. He shocked KJ Osborne and basically just took that number three role from Osborne in week three. Is it here to stay? I don't know, but it's great to see that type of ceiling. Conklin had eight targets and went seven for 70 with a touchdown yesterday. That's pretty incredible for a tight end. And he also had four targets each game in weeks one and two. He looks like he has a real fantasy point potential role in this offense. On FanDuel, of course, Kelsey at the top, 8,200. Kittle, second, 6,700. The the cheaper tight end that I like on FanDuel would be Robert Tunyon, 5,500 facing Pittsburgh. He's just been boomer bust the past two years, and that's kind of what you want for a tournament. So a little bit cheaper of an option, and as good a bet as any to score two touchdowns any given week. Moving on to defense special teams. On DraftKings at the top, we have the most expensive, the Bills. They're playing Houston at home, and they're 4,300. And we're going to probably need to save some money on defense because there weren't too many good punt plays at wide receiver and tight end this week. Fortunately, you have the Colts 2,700 at Miami. Jacoby Brissett, I know he's had 89 pass attempts these past two weeks, which is just hard to believe that Jacoby Brissett's thrown 40 plus times a game, but he's been incredibly inefficient. And I think that's kind of masked the, the pass attempt raw volume has kind of like masked how bad he's been. And the, the Colts defense has actually been kind of fine. They have this great matchup here. Brissett is averaging 4.3 pass yards per attempt on the season. That's dreadful. Fire up the Colts, 2,700. But my favorite putt play is Detroit, 2,200 facing Chicago. And Detroit has eight sacks through three games. Their defense, it's gotten some pressure on the quarterback. Secondary has been really bad, but pressure on the quarterback. And Cleveland just sacked Justin Fields nine times yesterday. Fire up the Detroit Lions at only 2,200. The perfect punt play at defense to make all the other good running backs, 
receivers, tight ends all fit together. FanDuel, we got the Bills, 5,000 against Houston at the top. And then I think the Rams are a good play, 3,800 facing Arizona. It's funny, the Rams defense is somehow cheaper than the Cardinals defense. So they're playing each other. The Rams defense is way better. The Rams offense looks like it's overall just a better offense. I trust Stafford more than Kyler. And yeah, they're they're cheaper. So if you want to get some exposure to that game, which should have a lot of pass attempts, then uh, play the Rams defense. We could be looking at some pick six, some interceptions, some sacks. I'm here for it. Now let's turn to the actual games themselves. And there's a lot of stinkers. So we're just going to cruise through the stinkers and we'll talk about the good ones. Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Bengals, seven and a half point favorites, 45 and a half game total. Next, we have Washington at the Falcons. Falcons favored by one, 49 point game total. Next, we have the Texans at the Bills. The Bills favored by 17 points, 48 point game total. Next, the Lions at the Bears. Bears favored by three and a half, 43 and a half point game total. All right, this next one, a little interesting. Carolina at Dallas. Carolina's team much improved. Dallas, we know what they're capable of. Dallas favored by four and a half, 50 point game total. I think this is kind of a fun one. We can play a little Dak Prescott. We can play a little Darnold. We have some good stacking and run back options. I mean, you could just go like Dak, Lamb, Cooper, run it back with DJ Moore and Chuba Hubbard, and you still have a lot of salary to burn and can then target some of those high upside plays at running back or receiver that I mentioned before. We've got the Colts at the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins favored by one and a half, 43 and a half game total. Next. This one's pretty good though. We have Cleveland at the Vikings. Vikings are one and a half point dogs at home, 52 and a half game total. And I think this is one where I feel like Kirk Cousins is kind of interesting in this. Baker just doesn't quite have that pass volume. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both just so involved in that overall offense that it makes it tough for it to be a full Baker game for what we want for DFS. But Kirk Cousins, he can make some noise. Like I said before, over 25 fantasy points all three games. He's looking elite just like he did at times last year. And I'm here for Kirk Cousins. Oh, we got the the Giants at the Saints. Saints favored by eight, 43 and a half point game total. You can skip that one. Titans at the Jets. Jets, seven and a half point dogs at home. 46 point game total. You can probably skip that one too. AJ Brown is out with a hamstring injury. I guess you could you could play some Julio. I think he's I think he's he's viable. There's not much else in that passing attack. He's probably going to feast against the Jets' corners. The problem is just how much will the Titans need to throw in that game? Probably not a lot. Now we've got some good games. Chiefs at the Eagles. Eagles five and a half point underdogs at home. Fifty five point game total. And you can do a lot with this game. We can play Mahomes and Kelsey, Mahomes and Hill, Hardman. Still just enough part of that offense to be viable each week in TFS. Clyde Edwards, a layer, came back from the dead this past week. And I think what you could do is you can go Mahomes with Hill or Kelsey. You could sprinkle in a Hardman into that lineup if you want to double stack Mahomes. Run it back with Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard if you're not playing Kelsey in that lineup. Or on the hurt side, then you can run it back with CEH. You could run it back with Kelsey, Hill. You could run it back with two Chiefs. 55-point game total. There's probably going to be a lot of fantasy points in this one. Then we have... The Cardinals at the Rams. Rams six-point favorites at home, 53-point game total. Another great game to target. I was not as interested in Kyler Murray last week facing Jacksonville. I just didn't really see why he would necessarily need to throw that much. 
It seems like they could just control the game. This one, though, it could it could get out of hand fast if the Cardinals are not pushing the pace of play, getting creative, throwing the ball down the field to try and beat this incredible Rams team. I'm here for this NFC West division. It's going to be an exciting one. I think Kyler and Stafford are viable. You definitely are going to want to double stack Stafford if you do. You could go Cup Higby, Woods Higby. I think those are good ones. You can mix in Van Jefferson. Sean Jackson's still a thin play. I know he had over 100 yards this past week, but not as interested in him. On the the Cardinals side, I mean, Christian Kirk is here to stay. He had his two-touchdown game in week one, over 100 receiving yards in week three. He's a great play. I think rest of season at this point, I probably prefer Christian Kirk to Rondale Moore just because of that role stability. It sucks to say it for Rondale Moore, but uh, boy, my best ball shares of uh, Christian Kirk say thank you. So he's a great target. We'll see what's going on with Hopkins and his health, but I think with Kyler, you could do some fun stacks. Like you could go Hopkins and Kirk. You could go Kirk and Edmonds. Uh, You could run it back with Michelle. That's a good one. You could run it back with Michelle and Cup. Sean Woods, there's a lot of good combinations. High game total, recommended. Then we have the Seahawks at the Niners. Niners favored by three, 52 and a half point game total. Another good game to target. Not as interested in the 49ers side. I just, you can't really play Jimmy Garoppolo in DFS. He had, I think, 16 or 17 fantasy points yesterday, but his ceiling's capped. I mean, could he have had a bigger day technically? Yeah, sure. But the problem was once they got on the goal line, you want to know what they did? They brought in... Trey Lance, and he ran it in for a touchdown, vulturing Jimmy Garoppolo. Would not recommend Jimmy G, but you can play a whole lot of Russ and run it back with Kittle, Ayuk. You could even run it back with Sermon, Debo. There's some good options there. And then we've got the Ravens at the Broncos. Broncos, it's basically a toss-up. It's like the line I saw was Broncos half-point underdogs, 45-point game total. And then the other game is the Steelers at the Packers. Packers favored by seven, 47 and a half game total. Another one where I'm just not that interested in game stacking, but there's a few individual players I like because of the consolidation for both teams. Najee Harris, Claypool on the Steelers side, and then Adams and Aaron Jones on the Packers side. You want a full DFS lineup for week four? Here you go. It's Monday, but here's what one could look like. You could target that Kansas City Eagles game. You could go Jalen Hurts, Stack him with Devonta Smith and run it back with Travis Kelsey. We can also target, like I was talking about, that Detroit Bears game with just a little, little, little bit of correlation. DeAndre Swift mispriced, target him. Lions defense mispriced, target them. So Swift and the Lions. And then my favorite inexpensive receiver is Darnell Mooney. It's not a game I love. I don't want to invest a lot of money into it. But if you can get Swift at 6,200, Mooney at 3,900 and the Lions defense... At 2,200, you got to do it. Other running back slot, put in, I know he's gross. Oh, 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 he didn't score fantasy points last week. Too bad. Sony Michelle, 20 carries, four targets, may I remind you, yesterday. 5,200, throw him in that lineup. Oh, you want a little skinny correlation partner for Sony Michelle? Christian Kirk, 5,300. His role is robust in that offense. And then to finish it off in the flex, you can throw in Chase Claypool, who looks like the only healthy Steelers receiver right now and should be in for a big day against a much less stellar than advertised Packers secondary. Now, I'll get you out of here. I know you got Monday Night Football to get to. The hot take for week four. You may have seen this one coming. And after being vultured for a touchdown in week three by Jamal Williams, after getting the ball to the one yard line, 
DeAndre Swift is going to experience a little bit more touchdown luck in week four, will get just a little bit more work than week three, and show off his elite fantasy point ceiling to shove it in the face of all the Detroit Lions helmet scouts. Detroit Lions bad. Dan Campbell kneecaps. Coffee breaks. I don't care. DeAndre Swift's, he just can't be denied. And he will finish week four as the RB1 of the Sunday DFS slate. That one felt good. Thanks to the stream for tuning in. Man, I, I've i been, been clenching my fists. I've been waiting for that DeAndre Swift victory lap. Was trying to figure out which podcast to do it on. And I figured, you know what? I've been dumping on Nick Chubb. I've been talking up Swift on Twitter. And after Swift now has two games better than Chubb's best game on the season, I was like, hey, this is the podcast episode. We are just going to go all in on this DeAndre Swift victory lap. Now, kiss the shoes goodbye. We're about to throw those in the trash. The old running shoes. Man, the soles are worn down from that victory lap. Thank you, everyone. Let's enjoy some Monday Night Football. <laughs>